Jesus, uh, we just sang words that said that through the storm we're held. Uh, but we got to confess tonight that nine times out of ten, nine storms out of ten, it, it does not feel that way. And so help us to see you in our lives a little more clearly tonight. Help us to encounter you in a fresh way and grow our trust in you. Help us to see what you're doing. We love you and ask you to be here with us in this moment. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Grab a seat, please. Well, hey, uh, welcome. My name is Kyle. I'm the pastor here at Regeneration, and uh, I've just been counting down the days since last week till I got to see you again. So I'm so glad that you're here. Um, tonight, we're finishing off this little series we've been doing called Finding God. And um, but I, before we do that, I just wanted to say two things. First of all, we're in the middle of our One Thing project tonight. And every month, we do one thing. We pick just one thing that we can do that helps our community see Jesus a little more clearly, let them know that he loves them, that kind of thing. And so this month, what we're doing is... Um, Tonight, we're going to be packing what we're calling care packages, for lack of a better word. It's a little gift bag that's got like Oreos and Gatorade and mints and stuff like that in them. And uh, we're packing about 150 of those tonight. And then next Sunday at 2, as many of us that we can get together are going to um, take those to retail businesses in Champion. And so we'll walk into True Value and say, where I've actually been like, four times a day for the last three days because we've been working on our house. I now know how to find a screw in less than five minutes, uh, which is a big accomplishment that I won't go into now. But uh, we'll go in and we'll just say, hey, this is the weekend before school starts. You're probably been crazy this weekend. That may not be true at true value, but you know. Um, and so we just wanted to let you know that we love you. We're a church from down the street called Regeneration. Here you go. And then we'll peace out. And so uh, we'll distribute about 150 of those at two. And tonight we're going to pack them. I'm going to be real fast tonight. We'll be done by about 35, and then Mary-Kate's going to get pizza. So hang out with us. We'll eat. We'll pack these bags. Um, and then as many of you can, be back here at 2 next Sunday. And then we still will have, like, church. Like, we'll still be here again at 6. Um, somebody asked that. I thought that was important. And, and the reason that's important is next week we're starting a new teaching series. Um, and when I, when I prepare my sermons, it's not like I just sit down at the computer and, like, Jesus, like, like downloads a message into my brain and I type it and then I say it out loud. Uh, what I tend to do is I think about where we are in the life of our church and where we are in the life of just our journeys and that kind of stuff. And then I, I look at the Bible and try to see where we are. And so um, next week, we're going to start a 10-week, this is the longest series we've ever done at Regeneration. We're starting a 10-week series on the book of Ephesians, um, which is a lot shorter than I wanted it to be. I thought it was going to take us about 14 to 16 weeks, and I condensed. Um, and we're calling the series The Living Church. If you have been around the church for a long time, or if you've not been around the church at all, uh, in either case, you probably have some really um, erroneous notions about what the church is. And so like just tonight, you might have actually said to somebody, hey, I'm going to church tonight. Uh, and what you meant by that is I'm going to a building called a church to be with this group of people. And, um, or you, I might call my wife on my way home from work and say, I'm just leaving the church now. But is that what the Bible thinks of as the church or is it something more? And the answer is it is. It's something more that the church is this living, breathing, growing organism uh, that is called to kind of be like yeast and dough that creates and catalyzes change 
And Ephesians is a letter that's all about that. And so we'll spend um, about 10 weeks in there. Please be here next week. I am, I've, been, I've decided to preach this in April. And so I've just been re- getting really geared up about it. And so, um, yeah, be here. But tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about finding God. And we're doing that out of Psalm chapter 78. Uh, and if you, I didn't look at the number, but that's not a bad thing. When I was growing up, I used to have to know where every book of the Bible was. In Christian circles, we call this a sword drill. And so you would say, find, you know, this book, this chapter, this verse now. But my wife has told me it's page 350, and we're going to go to Psalm 78. And we're just going to look at the first couple of verses. Uh, Psalm 78 actually has 72 verses, and verses 9 through 72 uh, are the story of Israel, the entire Old Testament, condensed in just a few verses. But Psalm 78 begins with these words, O my people, listen to my instructions, open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable, I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories that we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. You know, we've been talking about finding God, and we just did a couple. We talked about finding God in change and finding God in rest. But if you've been around regeneration for any length of time, or if you've been around the church, or you're even aware of those things, you're kind of understanding that um, the reality is Christians seem to think that we can find God in the Bible as we read it. We can find God as we pray. We can find God as we sing. We can find God as we share life together, all of these things. The challenge with that sometimes, though, is that we go to find God in his word, we go to find God in prayer, we go and come sing some songs, and it just falls flat. Uh, St. John of the Cross called this the dark night of the soul, that there are seasons of the spiritual journey where God feels distant, absent, or just a time where or it's just a season where it just doesn't seem to click. A season for me like this that was really prolonged was about May of 2011 until about October of 2012, but then really even October of 2013. Uh, and in that season, every spiritual practice that I had kind of accumulated over four years, I would go to those things to try to meet God. I'd try to read the Bible a little bit, journal a little bit, whatever. All of it seemed not to connect. It felt like I was in the Verizon commercial saying, like, can you hear me now? Like, can you hear me now? Only there wasn't the guy in the dorky glasses saying like, yeah, on the other end. It was nothing. And so when we try to find God, what do we do? Where do we go? And Psalm 78 is a psalm that's all about stories. And this is just the one thing I kind of want to leave you with tonight in this sermon called Finding God Across Generations, that the one place that we can, re- that we can go to in those seasons of dryness, in those seasons of absence, is stories of people who have encountered God in other ways. When I was a youth pastor, which I was for two and a half years in Illinois, the last series I ever taught was one called Pioneers, where I taught on famous dead Christians. In the Christian world, we kind of keep track of missionaries and those kinds of people that have done really kind of spectacular things on earth, and then some of them who have died tragically. And so I taught, say, about a guy named George Mueller, who in uh, 19th century England ran uh, an orphan home for boys. Uh, and girls, I think. And um, the thing with him, though, is that he never raised money. And so he believed that if this was God's will for him to do it, God would always provide. And so one day he and, you know, all of these boys, dozens of them are sitting at the breakfast table and there is nothing in the kitchen for them to eat. And he says, we're going to sit here and we're going to pray and God's going to provide. And they sit there and they pray. And I'm not kidding you, a bread truck breaks down outside. 
And it's, and it's this kind of stuff. And so I taught a, a, my youth group kids about George Mueller and other people. And, and they somehow came to resonate with God in a deeper way because they began to see that it's more than just stories in the Bible, but real people have been impacted by this. And the reason that we need to find God, that finding God across generations is so powerful is because when you're in a season where you need to know that God is faithful and that he's reliable and trustworthy, you can go into the lives of someone in the past and see how he proved himself to be reliable and trustworthy and faithful. It's kind of like how in every field of science we have these mounds of research that says, you know, Pavlov's dog is going to do this thing over and over and over again. We can trust through the research, quote unquote, of, that, of generations of Christians who have encountered God in ways to know who he's going to be. And Psalm 78 is all about passing those stories on. Verse 4 says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will, not, we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he should his laws to Jacob, and he gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, so that they in turn would teach their own children. And so as you hear these stories, by and large, these stories, at least in the Old Testament time, were passed from family to family. That the major way the faith community grew, the community of Yahweh grew, was through family. And for me, that's been something true. This is a picture here. This is a picture taken... Oh, probably about 45 years ago. Uh, and uh, this is my dad at about eight or nine years old. Uh, so it was probably about 45 years ago. This is my uncle, and those are my grandparents and my dad's grandma. And this is on the square in Warren. Feel free to take a look at this. I keep this in my office. I, I come from a, a long line of deeply spiritual, and not just spiritual, but deeply committed Christians who were intentional about passing that on to me. And so if you're a parent, my one encouragement to you tonight, or a grandparent, is to continue in that path of being in the front seat of passing these stories on to your kids. Um, and don't be caught up in the pressures of, I need to have my kid in five sports, three music programs, two uh, tutors, and one cooking class. Um, prioritize those things that develop in your kid's spirituality because the one thing that they can take with them literally forever is not a baseball. Well, that's important. It, it, and those things don't even have to necessarily conflict, but it's really easy for our kids' schedules to grow and grow and grow, and suddenly there's like five minutes a week for God, and now we don't know what to do with that. And so if you're a parent, I want to encourage you with this, but, but for those of us, but, but even though parenting and grandparenting is really looked at in this um, text, I think it's also safe to say that I come from a family that while they're deeply committed Christians, there's also a lot of dysfunction in the junction, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I've had to be, I've had a lot of other parents, quote unquote, to come alongside me and shape me in the faith. And Dylan, if you could jump ahead a couple slides, there's like pictures of people, I think. It maybe says mentoring. Next one. Yes. Okay. So, sorry, Steph, your face got blocked out on that one. But um, all of these people have been mentors in our lives who came alongside and over a period of time uh, helped me know Jesus better and grow in that. And, and here's the deal. Most of, most of what I know about Jesus did not come from a sermon, which is disturbing because that's my livelihood, but let's not think about that for too long. Most of what I know did not come from a graduate school class or an under, undergraduate class. It did not come from a Sunday school class or 
a sermon or a small group. Here's what it came from. It came from people like these uh, being out to coffee. On the, on the left there, the guy on the top left corner, that's Mike Boyle, and he was one of my professors in my undergrad. And me and three of my friends asked him our junior year to mentor us, and we started to call ourselves the burrito. And we would have the burrito every other Thursday afternoon for about an hour or two. And we would just, Mike is the first person that explained the difference between an HMO and a PPO to me. But he's also the first person that helped me learn the fullness of what it means to be a pastor. And then when we got married, there was a Qdoba, which is kind of like a Chipotle, that we, the four of us, that's Mike's wife, Mel, and Steph's face is behind the gray bar. Um, we would go to this Qdoba like once a month on like a Wednesday night and shut the place down. Like they, there'd be the employee like next to you, like heavily sighing while they wiped the table as if to say like, leave, you know what I mean? And we, were, and we moved to Ohio because we had lots of conversations with them about whether or not this was what Jesus wanted for us. And then the bottom right is um, uh, Bob and Pam McRae who did our premarital counseling and I was actually their teacher assistant for a year, and we just saw them when we were in Chicago a couple weeks ago. And on the top, that's Neil and Ashley Anderson and Joel and Allie Tompkinson and us. Steph and Allie and Neil worked together for a time. Neil and Ash set us up. Uh, Joel and Allie, Allie had thyroid cancer and um, lymphoma, sorry, uh, and, um, and nearly, I mean, it really could have taken her life. Um, and they've walked through that and still love Jesus. And all of these people, when we got married, we had um, a jar, and then we, like, filled it with different color sands. Um, hers was purple, and I think mine was teal or the other way around. And then there was white that, like, represented, you know, I think Jesus and stuff too. But at the bottom of that jar are rocks with people's names on them. And so it says, like, Joel and Allie Tompkinson and faithfulness, because in that season when Allie was battling lymphoma, Joel was so faithful to her, and that's what we learned in that season. Or uh, Mike and Mel Boyle, I think they taught us wisdom, and so we put that on the bottom. I and mean, I, I would not be who I am without a mentor. And so my, my kind of other piece is if, you, if, if parenting isn't the place where you can go and mine deep spiritual resources, find a mentor. Find someone that, and, it, and, and mentoring doesn't have to be somebody 50 years older than you. It can be somebody just about your age. But as you walk life together and through a series of coffees and dinners and time and time and time, learning takes three things in this order, time, time, and time. And when we give it those things, Jesus can massage into us the truth of the gospel in real ways. And we've tried small groups and stuff in the past, and we're going to be doing this women's Bible study. I'm kind of tempted to start a men's group at some point this fall. Um, but the problem with men's groups is they always seem to have to start at like five in the morning, which is just not a time you ever want to see my face. And, um, but we want to be intentional. This, if it's not a mentor, be intentional about pursuing relationships with people that point you to Jesus. Because here's why. As we tell stories of how God has worked in our lives, which is what Psalm 78 is all about, as we tell stories about this is how we've seen Jesus work, as we tell stories about all this, verse 7, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. I think we, we need mentors. We need parents. We need other people to be in intentional relationship with where spirituality comes up sometimes casually and sometimes on a planned basis uh, so that for this, so that you would set your hope anew on God. You know, I, there's seasons where you start to kind of 
lose true north. And you start to kind of wander a little bit and you get a little wobbly. Sometimes the gauges start to tell you that you're running on empty. Sometimes things get a little overwhelming. And in that moment, you need someone, anyone with skin on to come alongside you and help you set your hope anew on the Lord. You need someone to come alongside you and help you remember his glorious miracles. The reason that some of these people have been so valuable in my life is because in seasons of frustration and disappointment and hurt, what we're reminded of is that Jesus is good and wants to take care of us and is so faithful to do. And here's what faithfulness means. It means that Jesus does exactly what he says he's going to do. Um, And there have been so many seasons uh, and so many moments in my life almost on a weekly basis where I totally lose sight of that and you need someone or someones to come alongside you and say, yo, and get your gauges back on track and to recalibrate you when you can't find God. What you need to know is that across dozens of generations um, that, that he, he is faithful, that he is, he is true, um, and and that's one of the reasons why, A, we fight really, really hard at regeneration to keep our leadership team multi-generational because uh, I'm 20-something, some of you are 20-something, and that means we've only got about a corporate 50 years of experience together. But when we throw some people that are wiser uh, and older into those things, we, we get grounded a little bit better. It's also one of the reasons that we come back to communion every week because this one meal is the one thing that um, we share in common um, with Christ's dearest friends and his, and his disciples, that in that moment when right before he was betrayed, he took some bread and some wine and he handed it to some friends, Jesus instituted something that has knit together his people for generations. You know, the book of Hebrews says... Um, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, The Jesus you encounter in this meal is the same Jesus that was faithful to George Mueller to provide lots and lots of bread for his orphans. The the Jesus that we celebrate and meet at this table is the same Jesus who a woman named um, Amy Carmichael was named the Amma of India because in the 1800s she plucked um, probably thousands of Indian babies literally out of windows in temple brothels. Uh, to rescue them. It's that same Jesus who, when my grandma, 72 years ago at 13 years old, placed her faith in Jesus, began a movement in our family. I mean, it's, it is this meal that when we can't find God, reminds us that he is up to something. And so in a minute, um, Mackenzie and the team are going to lead us in a song. And it's, it's a simple song. It's in Christ alone, and it encapsulates who Jesus is and does and what he does and what he did and who he's offering himself to be. And as you do, you can just come and take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, taste and see the Lord is good. If you happen to be planning on giving tonight, we've kind of moved it because somebody had, it it started to look like you were paying for communion, um, which is a tradition from another era and another time and not ours. And so the giving basket is over there, just so you know. Um, but let me, let me pray for this, this meal.
Jesus, you are the same yesterday as you are today, and you will be the same forever. And there's, you know, the, the message says that he is always consistently himself. Jesus, we're thankful that you're so consistent, even in our inconsistencies, and we confess this week the ways that we've not lived fully into the vision that you have for us. And so it's our prayer, Jesus, that you would use this meal, this time that we share, to form us more into your image. We're thankful that you are accepting of a lifelong journey toward you and that you give us um, endless chances to be conformed to your image. And so use this meal to that end. Help us to find deeper trust uh, in who you are and who you're inviting us to be. Help this meal to set our hope anew on you. Pour out your spirit on these simple gifts of bread and cup so that they might become to us the body and blood of Jesus. So at this table, we may encounter the presence of the one who loved us first, loves us still, who will love us forever. Use this meal to unite us into one body in ministry, yes, to Champion and to Trumbull County and to Ohio and to our country and to the world. Um, propel us forward using this food. At this table, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The table is ready.
uh, the pizza is here. Uh, but even more than that, good news, from life's first cry until final breath, Jesus commands your destiny. Here's the deal. That your, your final breath might be 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years down the road. But every moment of that you're held, every moment of that you're known, every moment of that you're loved, across every generation, Jesus proves to be consistently himself. And I hope that next week as we do this one thing, we get to show that to people in a surprising way. I hope that people don't have a category for a church just giving something away and not expecting something back. How weird is that? So uh, hang around. we got pizza brought to you by Pizza Joe's, our corporate sponsor. Just kidding. And uh, yeah, we love you. We'll see you next week. But we'll be right across the hall. So hang around.